The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. I'm excited about this series. We're going to be going verse by verse through the portion of the scriptures that is often referred to as Ephesians. And the reason it is called Ephesians is because the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the churches at Ephesus. And so this is a letter that he wrote to them. And we're going to take the opportunity over the next few weeks just to go verse by verse and really studying what the uh, book of Ephesus has for us today. When we placed our faith and trust in Christ as our Savior, the Bible declared that we were no longer identified as sinners anymore, but rather our new identity is that of a saint. No longer are we a sinner. By God's grace and what he did on the cross, we are now declared saints. And so this morning, we're going to unpack exactly what it means to be a saint. Now, for most of us, uh, Catholicism has informed our ideas about sainthood, all right? And so if you hear that word saint, it might conjure up ideas of, you know, kind of old looking paintings with people with halos around their heads, some type of Catholic tradition or things like that. And, and that is to some degree where many of us would get our idea about sainthood. And so when somebody stands up and says, we're no longer sinners, we're saints, it kind of throws us for a little bit because we're confused. What does that mean? We're saints. I'm a saint. You're a saint. And, and that's what we're going to unpack a little bit today. But just to kind of give us a little bit of background, uh, we're going to look at uh, kind of how people become saints. Now what I'm going to do just to kind of debunk some of the myths, we're going to look first of all at what the Catholics say about how to become a saint. And so in case any of you wanted to become a Catholic saint, uh, we were going to take an opportunity to just walk you through on exactly how uh, this comes to be, all right? So this is how to become a, a saint, Catholic edition, all right? Here you go. Number one, you got to be a Catholic, all right? So that's, that, uh, that's kind of where it starts right there. You got to be a Catholic. And then uh, number two, according to the Catholic tradition, in order to become a saint, not only do you have to be Catholic, uh, but number two, you have to die, all right? And so this is kind of step number two. If any of you are interested, make sure you're writing these down there in your notes, and uh, hopefully that'll be a help to you. Number three, uh, a local devotion would grow up around your memory. So you're a Catholic, you died, and then all of a sudden there was a, a local kind of admiration for this individual, all right? And so a, a local devotion would grow up in your memory, and then your life begins to be investigated. And so if any of you were ever wondering, how, how, do, how do the Catholics determine who are going to be saints and who are not. This is kind of the process they use. They then investigate that person's life who this devotion had grown up around. Uh, number five, your local bishop then sends your application for sainthood to the Vatican, all right? And that's step number five. And, and uh, once your life is investigated, then the bishop won't send an application. And so, uh, you know, for those of you who are maybe looking at this direction, you want to make sure that application's getting ready there a little bit. So number six, uh, after that, then what you would go along to do is you would then, uh, people would be, that local devotion would begin to pray for a miracle in the name 
of that individual. And so people begin to pray and they would ask for a miracle be, to be done in the name of this particular person, all right? And uh, after that, then the uh, Vatican would investigate the veracity or the validity of that miracle. Did something really take place? And so they would investigate it and see uh, if they, a so-called miracle took place there. And then the Vatican would declare you blessed. And, and then there formally from Rome, uh, you would be blessed. And then you would have to pray for a second miracle in the name of that individual. So one miracle is not enough. You've got to have another miracle. And so a second miracle, once that miracle is validated, then the Vatican can officially declare you to be a saint. I don't know about you, that seems like a lot of work, all right? Seems pretty, pretty outrageous. The reality is, as uh, Bible believers, uh, rather than going to just some religious tradition about how to accomplish anything, whether it be a saint or otherwise, uh, we would go to the Word of God and we would investigate what's the Bible say about how to become a saint. So now that we've seen, seen how to become a saint uh, Catholic edition, uh, let me give you how to become a saint Bible edition. How does that sound? All right. And we'll get kind of move away from the tradition. What is how to come, how become a saint Bible edition? Here we go right here. Put your faith in Christ. All right, what do we got next, guys? That's all. All right, that's it. <laughs> that's how to become a saint, Bible edition. You put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and the Bible declares that you in that moment become a saint. So the reality is if you're here today, and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The Bible says you're no longer a sinner. You are a saint. Let's go to our text here today. Notice what the Bible says in verse number one. Paul, he's the human author of the letter to the Ephesians, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Notice this. To the saints which are at Ephesus. I want you to focus on that word Ephesus for just a moment. You'll remember from last week's sermon that the Ephesian people were very wicked people. In fact, if you didn't have a chance to be here with us last week, I'd encourage you to jump on our website, go to online media, and listen to the sermon from last Sunday. It'll give you a ton of context on who the people of the Ephesians were, kind of some of their background, and it'll really help you lay the groundwork for where we're going as we move through this uh, series. Uh, but for those of you who were here, you'll remember that the Ephesian people were extremely sinful people. That is, they just took pleasure in all kinds of wicked and horrible type of lifestyles. They were vile, they were immoral, they were materialistic, they were at their very core pagans. And so think about it for a moment. Here were these wicked, sinful, vile pagans, yet they heard about the truth of Jesus Christ and there came a moment in their life where, where they put their faith and trust in him and now all of a sudden Paul writes them a letter and he no longer calls them vile and he no longer calls them wicked and he no longer calls them immoral. He no longer calls them pagans. He no longer calls them heinous. He now says to them, you are are saints. Could you imagine that? And here this church is looking around and they're thinking to themselves, does Paul know what I used to be? 
Does he know the sin that I used to commit? Does he know the thoughts that went through my mind? Does he know what I used to value? Does he know what I used to think about? And yet with all of that against him, Paul still is able to declare with divine authority that you are no longer um, sinners here, people of Ephesus. Now, those of you who have put your faith and trust in Christ, you are saints. You're saints. You're no longer called sinners. You are now saints a saint. Which leads us here to our first insight this morning, and that is this. If you're taking notes, you can write it there in your Bible study. But I want you to see, first of all, in Christ, we are no longer a sinner. Let this sink in for a moment. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you are no longer a sinner. You are no longer vile. You are no longer dirty. You are no longer immoral. You are no longer wicked. You are no longer sinful. You are not a sinner anymore. At your very core, at your very essence, you are something better. You are something more. You are what the Bible declares a saint. And maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, you don't know what I used to do. You don't know what I used to be. You don't know what I used to think. You don't know what used to drive me. You don't know what used to motivate me. You don't know what I've done in my past. I want to say to you, if you are in Christ, And if Christ is in you, you are no longer defined by your sin. You are now defined by what Christ has done on your behalf. And when you put your faith and trust in him and him alone, he declares you no longer a sinner. He declares you a saint. That is who you are at your core. This is why the Bible reminds us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 17. If any man be... In Christ. Notice that little phrase, in Christ. That phrase pops up again and again and again and again in the Pauline epistles. If any man be in Christ, notice this, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Oh, the Bible says that when you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you are not who you used to be. You are no longer defined by your sin. You're no longer defined by your past. You're no longer defined by your wickedness. You have been made new. You're different. You're not who you used to be. You are no longer a sinner. God changes the very DNA of your spiritual being. But maybe you're sitting here and you say to yourself, but, but pastor, I know I'm no longer a sinner. I'm, I no longer carry the identity of a sinner, but I hate to admit this to you. I still sin. Let me say this to you as your pastor. While the Bible declares me in Christ no longer a sinner, I still sin as well. So maybe this will help you for a moment as a way of illustration. Um, And those of you who know me well, this will not come as a shock to you. Um, But I am what some have referred to as mechanically um, uninclined. (laughs) 
I do not have abilities when it comes to fixing things or building things or constructing things, uh, which can be tough for me because uh, my wife's father, my father-in-law, is incredible. He's just one of the most incredible handyman. He can come in and fix almost anything and build almost anything, and it just is amazing with his hands, and he can do all of that. And, and I am like the exact opposite. Like, I can do—it's it, it, it just horrible. In fact, I remember on one occasion, uh, we bought one of these little shelves, you know, that you can get from Walmart, and basically you just kind of have to put them together— I don't know if anybody destroyed one of those shelves more greatly than I did. I mean, by the time I was done, right out of the box, by the time I was done with it, no joke, it was like leaning, it looked like the leaning tower of Pisa. I mean, it was just going up sideways, awful, it was ugly. I'm looking at this thing, I'm like, how could I have messed this thing up so absolutely royally? I mean, I just, I I was like, this is absolutely awful. Because here's why I say this. Uh, I'm not a carpenter. By no stretch of the imagination am I a carpenter. I, I look at people like maybe Brother Red or, or James back here, and you guys are just incredible when it comes to what you can build with your hands. I'm just so impressed. And, and that's not me by any stretch of the imagination. However, a couple weeks ago, my wife, she said, Honey, would you, would you look at uh, the closet door? And I was just determined. And I, I looked at this door, and I, I, I guess... A screw in the hinge had come off and it was a little loose. And I remember thinking to myself, I can do this. I can fix this. Now, I know to some of you who are more mechanically inclined, you would think, of course, of course you could. I wasn't so optimistic about it going into it. Literally, my wife can tell you over the next almost what was about an hour, she heard banging and hammering, nails screws, more different tools than I could. I'm sure you probably could have done it with one screw and a screwdriver, but I I was looking at it from a much more complex perspective. (laughs) But I want to declare to you today that that door works. (laughs) Doesn't look pretty. (laughs) Doesn't look nice. But I had accomplished a little bit of what some may call carpentry. Now, you say... (laughs) Why did you tell us that ridiculous story and what's the point of it? Here's my point. I'm not a carpenter by any stretch of the imagination. But every once in a while, I do some carpentry. In much the same way, I am not a sinner. Howbeit, every once in a while, I sin. In much the same way, if you are in Christ, you are no longer a sinner. It is not who you are. You're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, not are, might be new or could be new. In Christ, all things are new. You are no longer a sinner, though at times you may sin. You see, there is a big difference between who I am and what I do. As a believer in Christ, my identity is not anchored to my behavioral performance. My identity is not stuck to what I do. Rather, as a believer in Christ, my identity is not anchored to my performance. My identity is anchored to the performance of Christ on my behalf. 
That's what makes the cross so amazing. That's what makes the cross so unbelievable. It's what makes the cross so scandalous. Because my identity is no longer rooted in my behavioral performance, but rather it is anchored to the behavioral performance of Jesus Christ. Can I say this? You must stop viewing yourself in light of your behavior. You must stop viewing yourself in light of your past. You must stop viewing yourself in light of your uh, emotional state. You've got to stop viewing yourself in light of what your peers tell you you are. Because if you are in Christ, then you are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. That's who God declares you to be. Now, let me caveat this for a moment. And I think they might even put this on the screen. While a Christian may sin, a Christian is not a sinner. This is very important. Sin may be what we do, But sinner is never who we are. Sin may be my behavior, but sinner is never my identity, and it is not yours. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you are not a sinner. You are a saint. Your new nature is not a sinner. It doesn't want to sin. The new creature that God created you to be, the new nature that he gave you, it doesn't want to sin. It doesn't want unrighteousness. It doesn't want wickedness. You say, well, sometimes I feel like sinning, Pastor. Let's just be blunt and let's be honest. It's a lie. You don't, your new nature doesn't want it. You're believing a lie of your flesh because the real you, the new you, The you that God placed in, the real you, wants holiness. It wants righteousness. It wants what God wants. It values what God values. It desires what God desires. It's driven by what's driven by God. You see, the new you doesn't want those things. And when you convince yourself that that's what you want and that's what you desire, you're believing a lie of your flesh. It's not what you want. You want God. That's what you want. Now, you'll search and seek and run after, after a thousand things less than God, thinking that you can get something from those lesser gods. But I'm just here to tell you, what your heart so desperately longs for is presence with the divine. You want God. You want him. Because that is what your new nature desires. As believers, we can biblically say, in Christ... I am not a sinner. And I can boldly declare that if you are in Christ today, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, I can say upon biblical authority that you are no longer a sinner. It is not your identity. It is not who you are. You're something better. You're something more. So who are we? Let's keep reading. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the, notice this, saints. If you want to circle the S at the end of saints, I want you to see this. It's plural. He says to those who are in Christ, to the saints that are there. Now, 
I want to remind you here again. Remember the Ephesian people, they were wicked. Before Christ, the sin that infested their lives, the immorality, the horrible natures, the direction in which their lives went. And yet, here's what Paul says, I know what you were, but now you are saints. He wasn't defining them based on their past. He wasn't defining them based on their performance. He was identifying them and identifying them based on who God was and Jesus was for them on their behalf, which leads us here to our next insight this morning, and that is simply this. In Christ, we are no longer sinners, but rather in Christ, we truly are saints. You're a saint. Think about this for a moment. A saint. Now, just for clarification, I want to take a moment to define this word. In the Greek, the word saint was the word hagios. If you were to read this in its original language, hagios. Here's what it means. Holy ones. So Paul was saying to these ones who used to run around in immorality and promiscuity, who were involved in prostitution, who were involved in all the vile pagan lifestyle that would accompany being an Ephesian, the moment they were in Christ, the moment they put their faith and trust in him, no longer did he refer to them by their past. Now he calls them saints. He calls them Hagios, or holy ones. Get this. Paul says to them, you are holy. This is where the Bible says, be ye holy as I am holy. A lot of Christians think, oh, I've got to be holy like God is holy. I've got to do this and do that and do these things and do those things and do all those things and these things. Thinking that somehow in their flesh, on their own, they can become holy in their behavior. And I want to say this, you are holy because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary. In that moment, his blood came upon, washed you white as snow, and in that instant, you became holy. You're a saint. You're a holy one. And so he says to the saints, I know what you used to be. I know what you used to do. There's a lot of things I could call you, Paul might say. But the Holy Spirit of God, under his inspiration, is leading me to call you saints. Hagios, holy ones. You say, how do you be holy as God is holy? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. He is our holiness. He is our righteousness. He is our covering, which leads us to our thought in Christ. I am now a saint. This is why the Bible says about us as Christians, In the book of Ephesians chapter number two, we're going to get to this next week or a couple weeks from now. He says, now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but notice this, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. When you put your faith and trust in Christ and you're in him, the Bible declares that now you're not a stranger anymore. 
You're not an unholy one. You're not a foreigner. You are a citizen. You are a fellow citizen of, with the saints. You're a saint. That's who you are. I I love thinking about this for a moment. So, uh, here in this room, I look over here. Saint Red. Right, Right here among us. Think about this. Saint Red. You say, well, I've heard about Saint Augustine and I've heard about Saint John. I haven't heard about this Saint Red. Here he is, right here with us today, Ambassador Baptist Church, Saint Red. Saint. A saint. In the back over here, we have Saint Brian. A saint. A saint. Right here, we got Saint Barbara. That's not much of a stretch, though, is it? St. Barbara. You start going around the room. St. Jim. Got our teenagers over here. We got St. Shelby. Joey said, that might be a little bit of a stretch. (laughs) Saint. To those in Christ, a saint. Got our assistant pastor over here. I was like, I, as I like to refer to him, good old Saint Nick. <laughs> Saints. That's who the Bible declares you to be. One theologian said it this way. Satan knows your name, but calls you by your sin. Jesus knows your sin but calls you by your name. You have a new identity in Christ. That identity is one that has been given to you by Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to encourage you with this morning. You need to preach this reality to yourself every single day. You say, well, I come to church on Sundays to get preached at. Here's what I want to say to you. You need to preach this reality to yourself every day. Every day you need to wake up and remind yourself, I'm not a sinner. It is not who I am. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. I'm not a sinner. I am a saint. I am a hagios. I am a holy one. I am righteous. I am blameless. I am spotless in Christ. That is who I am. And by God's grace and strength, I can live in alignment with that new identity and that new reality because that is who I am. You are not who you used to be. Sometimes your emotions will try to lie to you and tell you that's who you still are. Sometimes your mind will lie to you and try to convince you that's who you still are. Sometimes your peers will lie to you and tell you that's who you still are. Sometimes those close to you will lie to you and try to convince you that's who you still are. But you tell your emotions, you tell your mind, you tell yourself, you tell your friends, you tell the people around you, that is not who I am anymore. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a saint. That, my friend, is who you are in Christ. You say, well, pastor, I like to tell people I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And it sounds humble, right? It's just not true. 
you're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner that has been saved by grace. There's a big difference. You're no longer a sinner. You are a saint. A saint who sadly at times may sin. But a saint nonetheless. Your identity is no longer anchored to your performance. Your identity is anchored to the performance of Jesus Christ on your behalf. So how do you preach this to yourself? How do you allow this new identity to become who you really are? Because for some of you, for so long, you have been believing yourself to be something different than who God declares you to be. You've been believing yourself to be something different than the Bible declares for you to be. You've been believing yourself to be something different than what God's holy scriptures declare you to be. So how do we allow this new identity that I'm a new creature, that I'm a hagios, that I'm a holy one, that I'm blameless and spotless, how do I remind myself again and again and again when all my emotions and my mindset and my thinking and my past and all these things try to convince me otherwise, how do I start believing who I am in Christ? Let me give you a couple of real practical things, really simple. Things that the Spirit of God might lead you to do to reinforce your new identity in Christ. These things may help as the Spirit of God leads. The Spirit of God might lead you to memorize Bible passages that remind you of who God declares you to be. Bible says this, how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against God. How do we reinforce this new identity? Memorize Bible passages that remind you of who God declares you to be. Here's another thing that the Spirit of God might lead you to do to reinforce this new identity when you have the voice of emotion and the voice of thinking and the voice of your past trying to convince you you're not different. You're still who you used to be. How do you preach a new gospel? How do you preach that reality, the truth to your mind each and every day? Here's one. Let me give you two. Meditate on spiritual affirmations throughout the day. When you're at work, when you're driving in your car, Allow the word of God and the reality. You see, Satan's gonna try to come and condemn you. Try to convince you that you are who you used to be. And you need that scripture to remind yourself, I'm not who I used to be. I'm not gonna believe that because it's not the reality. It is not what's true. Number three, the spirit of God might lead you to spend time with people who will reinforce your holy identity. See, for some of us, our favorite people to be around are people who remind us of who we used to be, of what we used to enjoy, of what we used to like. And over time, we start believing that. We start believing what they tell us over what God declares us to be. Spirit of God might lead you to spend more time with people who will reinforce your holy identity next. The Spirit of God might lead you to avoid influences that cause you to live differently than your identity declares you to be. There's a lot of things, a lot of people, and a lot of places that will try to convince you you're something different than what this book declares you to be in Christ. 
And you've got to quiet the thousand other voices and listen to the one voice that actually matters, the voice of God. And your father says, in Christ, you're no longer a sinner. In Christ, you're a saint, a hagios, a holy one. That is who you are. As we've said before here at Ambassador Baptist Church, your self-image has massive ramifications on your behavior. Who you believe yourself to be has huge implications on how you will behave. And so if you're always listening to the voice of your past, if you're always listening to the voice of your peers, if you're always listening to the voice of your emotional state, it will preach to you a false gospel every time. It is in those moments, get into the word and let God show you who you really are. You're a saint, a separated one, a holy one, a hagios, blotless, spotless and blameless before God. So here's the big idea and we'll be done. Say, what's the big takeaway? Oh, that we would view ourselves anew. That we would simply view ourselves anew. That we would see ourselves differently. And in those moments where our flesh fails and we sin, it may negatively affect our emotional state. It may. It may negatively affect a relationship. Probably will. In those moments where our flesh fails and we sin, it'll negatively affect our life. But I want to say to you today, even in those moments where your flesh fails, while it may negatively affect your emotions and negatively affect some relationships and negatively affect aspects of your life, it will never affect your standing with God. It will never change your identity in Christ. Will it keep you from living your purpose of glorifying God? Yes. But will it change your standing as a holy one? No. For you are a saint. That is who you are. Anything else is believing a lie. You're no longer a sinner. You are a saint. And by God's grace and strength, your lifestyle can and will align with this new reality. That's the exciting part of it. As you allow God's word to define your new identity, you're gonna find that your lifestyle, your behaviors, your actions, your motives your values begin to align with what that new identity declares you to be. So let me say once again, you, you're no longer a sinner. While you might sin, it is no longer your identity because you are a saint. In Christ, in him, You're a holy one. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, before I end, I would implore you to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. To put your faith and trust in Him and Him alone to, to be your Savior. 
Because outside of Christ, you are still a sinner. And all the consequences, ramifications, and penalty that goes along with being a sinner still is laid at your account. And you need Christ. You need Jesus Christ to cleanse you from all sin so you too can be a holy one, a saint, a saint who at times might sin, but it is no longer your identity. It is no longer who you are because I and you in Christ are no longer sinners at our identity, at our core, and at our essence. We are saints. Amen.